I always say that, that uh, cycling saved me. I was a the most non you know sportive kid you could imagine. I was a chubby boy. I was I was lost in my view, and uh, I picked up cycling. I think just because it was the one thing I didn't have to excel at. You know to to be picked for you know team sports like basketball, soccer, you name it. And I think this is also one of the main reasons that I am so passionate about trying to trying to invest in grassroots, trying to um, to to welcome new youth into the sport because my personal experience was that it was much more impactful than just being a sport. This episode of the Smart Athlete Podcast is brought to you by Solpre. If you're active at all, whether you're running or simply out walking for the day, you've probably experienced one of the number one problems that active people have, and that's chafing. Solpre's all-new, all-natural anti-chafe balm solves that problem while feeding your skin the vital nutrients it needs to be healthy. If you'd like to stop chafing once and for all and treat your body right, Go to Solpri.com to check out the anti-chafe bomb today. And that's S-O-L-P-R-I.com. Welcome to the Smart Athlete Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Funk. My guest today is a former pro cyclist and is doing a lot in the cycling realm. He's a co-founder of the Israel Cycling Academy team, founder and director of the Gino Bartali Youth Leadership School, and also has an NGO, Bartali Youth Movement. Welcome to the show, Rand Margaliot. Hi there. Thanks for joining me. Um, I'm tr- I have to check again how many time zones across we are. It's early morning for me. I think it's I think it's early evening for you right now. Yeah, sort of. It's like the the uh, the opening of the weekend for us in Israel. It starts early. So okay. So it's the one thing I seem to find when I talk to guests, which for you, the listener, you don't usually get to hear about this, is because I record these on Fridays. Um, often guests are like, great, we're done. Now I can start my weekend and <laughs> I'm, I'm off into an enjoyable weekend. So hopefully it's the, the same for you, Ryan. Yeah, it's uh, already a weekend feeling over here. <laughs> um, so uh, obviously I want to ask you all about cycling. Um, before we got going, you know, I was telling you, I've got a background in running and then triathlon and Unfortunately, I have to say the part I come back to just running, the part I don't miss is all the hours in the saddle. <laughs> so, yeah, it's really you know, time isn't it? Yeah, it's like, I mean, it, it, just by the nature of it, like you, you can't, you can't shortcut it. Like you've got to put in the time or it's just, you're not going to, you're not going to be good. Like you're not, you're not going to have the legs to get it done, even for like the distance I like to compete in was like it's like it's like a 40k time trial i mean you're on the bike an hour hard but you still got to go out for long rides and, and just get the leg, you know mileage under your legs and it just takes up so much time so i guess i'll ask you since you were a former pro do you do you miss the time in the saddle are you still spending time in the saddle so i think as to your comparison between running and swimming and all the other endurance disciplines, I think cycling is the one part which doesn't have to be a workout. Okay. Like in, in my view, I mean, it can be just, you know, sort of a, a you know, a get out. You can just find, find your, your, your peace, you know, and, mm-hmm. and sort of like a meditation, of course, when you're racing, you're racing, you know, and yeah. you're, you have that racer mentality, but cycling for me nowadays is, is nothing, I mean, it's a, it's a different ball game than what it used to be than when I race. So it's, it's the best time of my day when I, when I get a chance to ride. And I, I guess maybe here is a, a potential difference or is it pretty scenic where you are, where you get to ride? Um, depends on which time of the year. Currently it's a little bit annoying. It's pretty warm over here in Israel these days. So okay. we, we all either ride early in the morning or in the evening, but, uh, yeah, we get to see a lot. Uh, I don't know if you've ever visited, but our country mm-hmm. is very diverse. So mm-hmm. within a couple of hours of driving, you can see go between the desert and the mountains. You know, so um, yeah, a lot to see, definitely. Okay, and, and that I think for so for where I am in the U.S., 
there's just not much besides annoying traffic and then like Where's that so i'm in i'm in kansas city so it's it, it's in missouri and on the border of kansas and missouri so like if i get out to if i get out of the city and i'm on roads where there's not much traffic there's also not much to see it's just it's just fields of nothing yeah. <laughs> so you know i i definitely get that kind of like meditative sense when i'm out for a run um and maybe that's just what connects with me but yeah with the riding i could get i could kind of get that way but it it just i don't know something about having to like check with the traffic because our our infrastructure's not set up well or comfortably to have cars and bikes on the road like you know, I, I definitely had times where cars would try to hit me instead of, you know, go around or just, yeah. And that adds to the, the stress of it. Of course. Well, honestly, I, I stopped riding on the road, uh, two years okay. ago after spending 18 years, you know, only busy with the road cycling, road mm -hmm. racing, and, uh, highly recommend going off road much more enjoyable. <laughs> that makes more sense. So maybe I'll have to like, go out and invest in a mountain bike we definitely have some trails around here for that um so maybe that'll be a little bit more more my scene yeah. try it out gotta make a note to myself to check out check out the trails sorry for everybody listening i'm riding at the same time um so yeah i mean you spent you saying you spent 18 years on the roads um is it just you start riding when you're you know a young kid or or like what what's the pathway because i know so with this kind of all comes around in a larger sense to what you're doing now but uh, I, I assume you grew up in israel like there it doesn't seem like there's prior to you guys you know making this team and the development team and all, all that like not a very strong pathway for like people in israel to get into pro cycling so like how did you start and find your way into that scene? Um, so by mistake, really. Um, I always say that, that uh, cycling saved me. I was a the most non, you know, sportive kid you could imagine. I was a chubby boy. I was I was lost in my view, and uh, I picked up cycling. I think just because it was the one thing I didn't have to excel at. You know, to to be picked for you know team sports like basketball, soccer, you name it. And I think this is also one of the main reasons that I am so passionate about trying to trying to invest in grassroots, trying to um, to to welcome new youth into the sport. Because my personal experience was that it was much more impactful than just being a sport. In my view, you know, the sense of capability, the 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 the, the different you know uh, angles it opens it opened for me. Um, impacted my life as an adult you know regardless of, of of how fast i went on a bike so um yes i did i did pick up a uh, mountain bike to begin with it was more approachable more accessible i only started riding on the road later i at the age of 16 i won national by in, by by incident you know just because the favorites were looking at each other and you know when you're a, a road racer and you know how to use how to you know to have a bit of a race intelligence you can do that and that led me to believe um probably not not for a good reason but that, that i i can somehow um break through a path that non no, no other israeli have achieved before and I, for nine the nine following nine years i tried to to become the first israeli to race the tour de france um i did okay but i was never never talented enough i think i was mostly a hard worker and very uh, determined to achieve that um and you know at the age of uh 23 i quitted the sport after racing uh, for two years uh, in the world tour and realizing just uh, i just don't have what it takes to make it i was very very frustrated um and i think because of this frustration uh, that was the main drive for me to start to start the next chapter to start israel cycling academy trying to in a way um achieve as a manager what i could not achieve as a, as a cyclist it, and I don't want to like try to make you like look back 
on your career and go, well, what if, but so I guess a point of clarification. So like, I know, you know, if we're talking about like, say 5k runners or even 10k runners, often they're going to be early to mid twenties is like the fastest guys because of the short distance. And then, especially as you get into the longer stuff in triathlon, half Ironman, Ironman, then, you know, those athletes are often late twenties, early thirties, sometimes mid to late thirties as like the best in the world. It, it, it's been a while, I, you know, I was during the kind of the Lance era when everybody in the U S was watching cycling, I was into cycling and I kind of tailed off. So I, I haven't, you know, been huge. I think, I think maybe the, we'll get to Froome here in a minute, but that maybe the first time that Froome won was like the last year I was really, really watching intently. Um, but is it, is it not similar with cycling where you've got mid to late twenties kind of guys that are the best guys, or is it really, you know, the earlier ones? Cause I mean, you know, you've got obviously the Mayojon, but they, but then there's a white Jersey too for the young riders. So it's like, there's a clear distinction of the, you know, there's a special case for them. So who, what age are we usually looking at for, for like the best guys in the field? So it has changed a lot over the past three years, really. I mean, okay. I've seen uh, a sharp trend. Um, it's another discussion of why it's happening, but like the, the average age for, for Tour de France winner has really dropped in something like 10 years, you know? Okay. Um, so when you see guys like Bernal winning Tour 22, Tadej Pogacar winning it at 21, mm-hmm. um, guys like Remco Evenpool winning everywhere at 19 years old, it's, this is something that, that didn't happen until 2017 or 18. But um, yeah, I think, you know, when it comes down to, I think the discussion, really the topic of the discussion is fulfillment of uh, one's potential, you know? And and, we, and it, re- it really is a good question. How do you know that, are, are you going to make it or, or not? Are you good enough or not? Have you reached your right. peak? And I think it comes down to mainly um, persistence, you know, and, and your your ability to persevere through all these years, you know, and making all those sacrifices and deciding you're still going for it. This is going to be the main center of your life. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I... I know nowadays I have this discussion every almost every week with a with a single parent or, or with a kid you know who's uh, who's ambitious and always feel like he's not you know is is in rush to to make results and to achieve something and and I always try to keep them hungry you know and there's this uh, sense that you know until until you reach that level you you do not know how demanding that is. And one of the things you do want to happen, do want to happen that at the time you reach that level that you'll be prepared emotionally, mentally, you know, for, for this long, long, long years of, of work. And I think for, for myself, I was, I, was, I was training and racing like a pro when I was 16 already. Uh, and that was not a good thing for, my, for the longevity of the sport, but that was the mm-hmm. only thing I knew. I, was, I knew that if I want to, if I want to make it in a place that other kids, more talented kids, um, in my country, from other countries, uh, if I want, if I want to be the one making it, I need to work harder than them. What I didn't know is that the definition of hard work is not in a single day, nor a single month, nor a single year. The definition of hard work is a lifetime. You know, and if you want to, if you want to succeed in anything, you need to be very, very patient. And being patient means that you're creating this, the right setting, the right surrounding. It will enable you to persevere through all these years. So I think what, what I'm trying to say is if, if the, the question was, if I, if I, if I quit it too early, there, there is no right or no, yes or no answer for that. Right. There is only, uh, was I willing to do all the, to continue doing all these sacrifices for the chance that, for the small chance that I could make it. And the answer at that time was no. I was, I arrived to a place where I knew I couldn't continue in the highest league and I was just too spoiled to try, start, start again, start working again, you know, up my, up the ranks. And, and I think that's cool too. I think, you know, in life, you know, we have, we have different dreams and some at certain points in our life, we're willing to, to, to make decisions that we were not willing to make earlier or later on. 
mm-hmm. and I think it's also it's also important to know that um, you need to let go at some on some some things as well. You know, it's not mm-hmm. healthy to to just always uh, being goal driven. Yeah, well, and you know, like we were talking about before we got got recording. I mean, I I obviously can empathize with that. You know, I quit so to speak at 28 trying to become a professional and you know I don't know about you but it it is difficult you know having spent all the time and the hours and and your brain just being so singularly focused it's like at least for me even after the decision it's still like there's still little fragments little bits and pieces like inside that just kind of bubble up from time to time and you're you know at least, like I said, for me, you know, I, I decided to focus more on, you know, this company and then subsequently the podcast and, and that kind of thing and seeing how else I could serve people instead of just serving my own dream. Um, but it, I don't know that I've mostly come to come to terms with it or come at, at peace with it, but um, there's still definitely part of me that has a need to succeed or you know accomplish something or like of course do the next thing yeah well i think it's very natural i think very human to the, the need for recognition also you know when we are persuading some people there is always uh, this this adrenaline this sense of purpose which is important you know mm-hmm. eventually we need we need this in life we need this drive it's very helpful the you know the the sharp edge is is when when it becomes everything you know, when, when there, there's no other thing in life and at certain points in my life, there was definitely no other, no other, you know, view. There was no, nothing else that mattered in life rather than winning bike races. And, and it can be very, as, as we, as we've just seen in the Olympic games, um, with several athletes, you know, it can, it can be very cruel too. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I know when I've talked and I've spoken with several Olympians over the, the tenure of the show. And often, I mean, with this particular show, they always have something else going on because you don't get on the show if you're not doing something else. You can't just be an athlete. But they'll talk about how important that other thing is or was for them, especially when it was time to stop whether they want a medal or not, everybody comes to a place of this is the end of my career earlier, later, it doesn't matter. Like nobody, no, there's no 90 year old Olympians <laughs> competing with the 20, 20 year old, you know, like so everybody comes to a, to a point that they have to stop. And they often say like, uh, you know, Kim Vandenberg comes to mind. She was a um, Olympic swimmer in 2008 and she like she plays the piano like she played a little piano for me on the show and she's talk she coaches kids in swimming and is like tries to tell them hey like it's awesome you want to be an olympian it's awesome you want to be the best swimmer you can be you also need to nurture other interests well i hope you're not hoping for me to play the piano <laughs> I, don't, I don't do you have one do you want to give it a go no no definitely not <laughs> So, you know, you'd said that you're already training as a, basically as a pro at 16 or at at that level of training. Um, So, I mean, you spent a number of years, even if you're done at 23, it's what, uh, four, seven years of that, which is quite a long time for, you know, for most people to make, oh, seven years, that's not bad. But the amount of time I'm sure you spent on the saddle in that seven years is unfathomable for most people. It, it obviously takes a lot of mental fortitude. So how do you, how do you approach that with like your youth development? I'll call them kids or young athletes. You know, how, how do you approach that with them and try to build up that ability to have that consistency over years, like you'd mentioned? So Currently, we have different programs that we are running, you know. But uh, the co- one of the the only the only things that I really I really know should happen. In, I mean, I think in any 
any place in life where you try to build something meaningful is is creating a format in which every single athlete, every single participant has the right to choose where they want or, or doesn't want to be part of it every single day. And I think that this is very important because whatever we do in life, when, when we are forced to do something, we wouldn't be able to, you know, to reach that level. But when the times get really, really hard, we are finding this inner drive. And this is, this is crucial, you know, that you create the, the, the surrounding, the atmosphere for one to choose. He wants to be part of it in every single day, in every single moment of the ride. If I have a, a kid who is tired and, and depressed and want to throw the bike during a climb, then he will throw the bike. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to be the one encouraging him to get jump on his bike because it's his, it's his decision, you know, mm-hmm. and, I, and, and he needs to decide whether or not he wants to, to climb back on his bike. And we all have those, those days, you know, none, none of us is perfect. And, and the more you, you progress as an adult, you realize that this is, this is what makes the difference. How many days a year do I have that I wanted to throw the bike? I didn't want to, to go out there, you know, and, and, and work hard that I, you know, that I skipped. And eventually this is, this is where the marginal gains are, mm-hmm. right? But for me, as we, we're seeing cycling as a more holistic you know, approach, not just for them to become good athletes or, or good students afterwards. I really hope that, that they can learn some life lessons through it, you know, and decide what do they, what, where do they want to take it? We, what we try to do is try to help them think, you know, um, and, and, and plan. Um, so we always have this, this approach, you know, of, of asking the kids. Um, so if you've had no limitations, no one forcing you to do anything, you know, you can imagine reality at its best. What, what would you want to do? What would you want to achieve? And the more in, in three years, five years time, next year, this year, and, and the more they can dream about it, the more we can help them, you know, creating a more specific vision. And when they have a specific vision, a specific measurable vision of, of what do they want to achieve? And, and it's, not an easy, it's not an easy task. You know, it takes, it takes a lot of time to build that kind of a vision because first, you need to be able to to dream, you know, and, and often we're working with, with youth who are coming from different backgrounds. Some of them are coming from a very, very challenging background. And 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 this and, and arriving to the point where they can starting to to shape a, a desirable desirable vision for themselves is something that takes time. But when you do that, then it's easy. Then we can do, you know, the reverse engineering process and start helping them build the milestones as they want as they wish they will be. You know, it might not be the, the, the desirable vision that I would imagine, but I, can, I cannot live in their shoes either. You know, the only thing I can serve is a good role, good role model, trying to, you know, to inspire them to do something, to create a reality which is balanced, which I believe would help them. And, and one of the things that I think is important in this process is, is not to push it. You know, it's very easy um, to encourage, especially kids nowadays, to go towards a direction that we believe will empower them immediately. You know, how do you do that? Just you try to direct them towards places where they will get immediate response from their surroundings. So per se, through social media, through their colleagues in class, you know, if they win bike races at the age of 15, they will feel as, as champions of the neighborhood. And that will be, you know, that can be the, the word for them. And that, that one could say this, this should be a dream, but I, I always think that, you know, our goal is to try to, to help them break the ice ceiling and try to think a bit longer term. And if, mm-hmm. you, are, if you are successful, successful in helping themselves uh, create, shape a vision for, say, three years from now, you already start helping them you know, in, in gaining life skills, in, in working for a goal which is not immediately reachable. You know? mm-hmm. And even whether or not they will achieve this goal almost doesn't matter. You know? The only thing that matters is really their ability to start, you know, asking themselves what what do they actually want to achieve, and not being in the other seat, the victim seat, you know, of the of the one who is always following, which I believe is not useful. Yeah, just the way you talk about it reminds me of um, so each season of the show, I have a question I ask every single guest, and I'll ask you this season's question here at the end of the show but last year i was asking everybody what's the purpose of sport and it seems like you know you're kind of touching on at least what it seems like your vision of 
the purpose of sport is. Oh, it's very philosophical. What's the purpose of life? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I, we're we're bringing the scope down a little bit, just focusing on sport. But I, but I mean, it is still pretty broad. Yeah. I mean, what the purpose of sport for me is is a place to you know to discover myself at my best. You know, I I have to be fully committed in order to to succeed in it, and mm -hmm. I and and my opportunity to discover my surrounding as well, whether it's just. You know, you've asked me about the, the scenic sites or, or mm -hmm. the environment, but also also my my companions, you know, people I get to spend time with in cycling. We are fortunate to be able to communicate mm -hmm. while doing sports, which is very rare. You know, you don't get to do that in swimming, probably not also so right. much in high high intensity running in cycling. We can still talk because there is not so much impact. So yeah. it's a great way to bond. Yeah. And yeah. I always say that the The, the best friends I've met were on a bike. I met my wife on a bike. So, you know, that's a, a great opportunity to, to make friends. Yeah. You know, I, I have to back up a little bit, but you're talking about, um, you know, developing kids and you're talking about how not pushing them. And it's a question of asking them, do you want to be here or not? I think about kind of the sharp contrast to, and not all coaches are this way, but, you know, I would say if I was going to generalize like American culture of coaching, it's very like loud, aggressive, like I'll motivate you for you kind of thing. It's like the complete opposite. Like you don't have to be motivated. Like the coach will, you know, pound the motivation into you and get, get, get results and, So I think about your approach and first, thanks for doing it um, because I think it, motivation is such an internal thing. Like you can't, you, like you as a mentor or coach, I don't believe can create motivation either like it exists or not. You can nurture it, but also the, the patience that you've got to have to think about like a multi-year trajectory for young athletes. Because at least in like the American pipeline, thinking about like high school. So 12, 13 year olds through 18 year olds, high school environment, it's always focused on like this season. And the same thing goes into college where it's like this season or this week, instead of, you know, what do we look at you over there like, the entire four years that you're with us or whatever it is. And I always feel like that's such a mistake to focus on all these. So like these small little snippets of time and pushing so hard all the time, instead of like taking that longer term view. So it, it just, I guess as a fellow athlete, I appreciate that you're taking that approach with your, you know, your athletes. Um, Because I guess I agree with you that, that, you know, maybe the goal is not necessarily to make every one of them a professional, but that, you know, they're going to learn life skills and a lot of other things just being on a bike. Yeah, I think, you know, most of our decisions are based on our personal experiences, you know, mm -hmm. the good and the bad. Um, I, I believe, you know, that if you really want to go philosophical, they are, they say there are two main forces that drive every single one of us, the, the ego and the fear, and both of them exist in every situation we are facing, you know, and, and, and they're going to be influenced by that, whether or not I'm going to, you know, push them hard or be very, very laid back and let them take the lead. But I do, my own experience um, was that every single time that I've chosen to do something, whether I succeeded or failed, I, I was able to view it as something I could learn from just because it was my decision. And every single time I was forced to do something, I always felt like a victim. I felt like, you know, I'm not in control of the situation. I cannot learn anything because I'm only trying to satisfy someone else's wills. And therefore, you know, I, I feel that my, my role here is only to be the one enabling the experience and whether they will choose to take it to, you know, to the extreme or they will, you know, push back and say, I'm, This is not my direction. It's their. This is their part. This is their, you know, um, 
part of the process. And I, I hope I can be one day, you know, that guy that, you know, uh, can walk in the street and maybe occasionally see one of them and, and see what a wonderful grown-up they became, hopefully, you know, happy and, and you know, uh, with feel, feeling well with whatever they decide to do. And I know that I played a small part in that. You know, that's what I, I hope I can do. Most of the time, you're just hoping you're not making too many mistakes, you know? <laughs> it, I, I ask different athletes about this from time to time. And I think it seems like at least your personal response is yes. But in general, do athletes have a responsibility to their community? You know, it, it is definitely something that happens that especially high profile athletes, whether they're deciding this on their own or they're being coached to do it just for good publicity, I don't know, but they'll, you know, start a nonprofit or do something to give back to the community. Um, but at the same time, it's like, well, it's, this is their athletic career and they, maybe they should just be focused on their own thing. So I, I like your opinion on whether athletes in general, clearly you, you yourself are giving back but do athletes in general have a responsibility to give back to their community? Well, I think we all do. I mean, I used to think that the most powerful thing you can do in order to drive a change is to inspire people. Uh, and most of my, uh, I call it other life, but uh, most of my, most of my decision-making when in the part, the part of my life, when I was focused on high performance sports, which is essentially sort of a show business, uh, was based on that, that I, that I, we need to serve a good example. We need to inspire people, but you know, I think, um, the reality is the world is, is, is the world's problems are, are varied. There are many, you know, uh, and, uh, and our ability to, to improve our immediate, our society, the people around us is this starts with the small things, you know? Um, so I think to your question, yes, they do have responsibility, but you and I have responsibility too, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, it's not just because they, they have 1 million followers on Instagram or, or something like that, that we should expect them uh, to be the only one who are driving change. Eventually, right. eventually I think that, uh, yeah, I, I hope that, that, that we, can, we can associate sport with, uh, with being a good human being, but really sometimes in sports, the, 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 the deciding values are different. You know, when you're in a bike race, your your number one goal is to beating your opponent. You're not going to stop to pick up a trash from the road. You're just not going to do it. You're usually not going to help a friend who crashed, you know, mm -hmm. because this is, this is the number one value that drives you when you're winning bike races. And I'm not going to judge anyone for, for trying, you know, to focus on that value because that's, this is the surrounding. But I think, you know, if we're looking on a big picture, you know, I do hope that, um, sportsmen as well can understand that people are watching them and outside outside the, the sports arena, whatever that arena may be, that they will take more responsibility. I do not expect them to. I hope I, I can expect everyone around me, but honestly, the only the only factor I can focus is myself. So yeah, yeah. It's just it's something that I don't know. It, it definitely comes to light right now, um, which is. Uh, the U.S. political climate, which I certainly don't expect you to be paying attention to, because um, it doesn't hopefully doesn't affect your day to day. Uh, but there's a, definitely a lot of like, you know, mentality where it's like I'm taking care of me and that's all that matters. And I feel like we're we're forgetting about how interconnected we are. I like I like the current trend. I mean, I like what what's happening. Seeing athletes expressing their opinions, I think. I think yeah. the, the, the fact we are trying to, you know, keeping sports neutral is, uh, is a little bit, you know, uh, of, of trying to close our eyes. But I think saying that I expect them to do that, it's a little bit, you know, um, right. it's, not, it's not modest, you know. How can, I, what, how can I expect them to do that? I don't have any responsibility for them, for them you know. Mm -hmm. They are adult men. They can decide their own life. I like to see that people are taking responsibility. I think it's good. You know, whether or not I like their opinion, I think if, if someone is caring of his environment, his society, it's already a start, you know. We are 
selfish animals usually you know we take care of our immediate needs that's what we right. do every single day whenever someone else is you know take care of his around his society it's already you know it's, it's uh, it, for me it's inspiring yeah yeah um i do want to ask you about so starting the pro cycling team um because at least in part uh starting a professional team what well, seems like out of thin air seems like a pretty big undertaking so i'm guessing somehow like your pro career plays into like knowing the right people to help hopefully get you know something going instead of like you sitting at your desk going how do i do this and then <laughs> figure you out from there so like how does the germination of that come about well honestly i had no clue but I still have no clue when I'm working day to day. But when you're trying to, when you try to create something that has never been done, you just, you know, go out there with a, a little bit of, uh, you know, with some guts uh, and you try because you don't want to be that guy who say, what could have happened if, um, and I think that's, this is, uh, it comes down to the same, the same approach. You aren't, I don't want to be the victim. I don't think anyone should be the victim. I think people should be proactive. Life is, life is not easy. I come from Israel. Life is not always easy over here, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but that's not a good enough excuse to be a victim. Um, and even if, you know, um, when I was a pro athlete or wanted to be a pro athlete, you know, there was no easy path over there. You know, it, it never served. It never served as a source of, uh, you know, agony for me or, or anger. I always used it as a drive. You know, I said, you know, so someone needs to be the first, and I. It might be ego-driven, you know, everyone has ego, usually pro athletes, they have bigger egos, but it, it drove me, drove me further. And when I wanted to create the pro team, yes, I, I knew some people, but it came down to, to being, um, yeah, to, to, to be willing to try to, to fail, you know, you know, that the chances are against you. Usually the odds are against us, but we need, we need to have that inner drive to, to try, because I think trying is more, is more important than sitting at home and feeling you know, that, that you be fear driven, feel what could have happened if, yeah. And, um, uh, I don't think it's for everyone, you know, I think, uh, also not everyone has to be entrepreneur. Not everyone has to create their own reality. It's fine as well. You know, many people prefer the, what we usually say the, the comfortable way, but, but I always, I always feel that if you really, really want something, um, and, and you feel this is something that you have a drive for, uh, you should try to be proactive about it. Um, I don't, I don't like to, to be surrounded by people who are, you know, who, who feel like victims. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, I also don't think that, yeah, everybody needs to be an entrepreneur though. I'm, I'm happy to encourage anybody that wants to be, because it's obviously not the easiest path to, life um as you said the, the kind of comfortable way of just like i'll call it a normal career um and i don't mean to be like patronizing but just it's there are unique challenges that come with running your own show you know wearing all kinds of different hats finding different people to to do the things that you need done um all those kind of things and there i i think if you have the I'll say the personality for it, but, but the ambition for it that, you know, you'll, you'll find an avenue that you go, okay, let's give this a shot. And yeah, I definitely agree that there's, there's some ego to that because you have to have a big enough ego to go, I can do this. You know, as yeah, you said, like, it's, you, you know, better. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Oh, I like, I could do this better. Instead of, you know, as you mentioned, like being driven by fear and being and being fearful about like, what if it doesn't work or oh, I'm not the right person, any, any of those other, we all have those fears, but I think then that somehow that ego wins out where you take that step and you're like, okay, I'm like, I'm, I'll figure it out. Yeah, I had this conversation two days ago with one of our kids, he's, uh, he's just finished high school. Mm -hmm. And he's going to do a gap year over here in Israel. He's going to be serving as a cycling instructor in one of our uh, youth villages programs. So uh, he's going to 
you know, spend most of his time instructing other kids and maybe have a couple of hours very early in the morning to train. And he was uh, presenting to me, you know, as um, almost feeling like, like he was like, like he's a victim, you know, like he was not going to have enough time to train for himself and what will he do next? And it's going to ruin his life. And, and I asked him, so what, what would you like to do? You know, what, what, if you can choose right now, what, what would you like to happen? And he, and he started coming up with all this, you know, bunch of ideas, you know, he, he might serve as a bus driver for eight hours a day and, and that will leave him enough time. And I said, well, we should go for it then, <laughs> you know, and, and that was probably one of one of the, the things he was he was not expecting or what, wanting to hear. He wanted me to solve his problems, but I don't think that even if I that even if I, I could have and I cannot solve his problems, this would have been the right thing to do, because I think that every single time in life where where you know where we have to face life to 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 really you know find the solution, this is where the opportunity lays, because only when we we found a solution. It's usually not the ideal solution. Usually it's a series of compromises, you know, only then that we are, we, we are growing, you know, and, and most of our lives are not ideal, you know, and I don't think being an entrepreneur also has to be a full-time job. Usually very few people even get paid, but I think being an entrepreneur in the philosophical way, as you presented it, or what, what is the purpose of it? Mm -hmm. It's feeling it's taking responsibility. I think taking responsibility in life is very important, even if your, you know, um, your area of creation is within, you know, uh, your role as an employee per se. You know, but once you're taking a responsibility, once you are deciding, you're going to be taking action. You're not going to be sitting in the passenger seat and being and following, just being a victim. You know, this is where, you know, this is where you're growing. This is, this is where I believe people should go. You know, mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean that you tomorrow you have to create that one billion dollar startup that's gonna change the world. You know, honestly, I don't wish for anyone to wait to earn one billion dollar. I think it's horrible. <laughs> I think yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I think you know it's it's something you learn at sports. You know, you 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 as a as endurance athlete, you learn it every single day. You are mm -hmm. the only one who, who who knows how hard you pushed yourself, whether or not was was it enough, you know, whether you could have done a, bit, a little bit more, you know, um, and, and you can, you continuously questioning it yourself every single day, because that's what sports is about. You know, it's about mm -hmm. how much you are, you are willing to give from yourself in a single moment. And usually it's never enough, <laughs> just how it is. <laughs> you always feel like there. Yeah. I, I think there are probably very few times it, it, you know, in my racing career where I get, I think there are plenty of times where I'm like, I, I think I gave it enough, but in the back of my mind going, maybe there was something you question it. So there's very few times where I really feel like, like that was absolutely like I, there was no more, there was nothing left in the tank. And I, I think some of that is just like, it's hard to put yourself there physically where you are at a point that you simply physically cannot go any hard. Cause there's this mental like break that, that once it's like, you're going too hard, like you're going to blow up. Don't like, stop, stop doing that. And getting over that is a big deal, but I don't want to get too sidetracked by myself because I, I want to come back to your thought on like taking responsibility and, and like, you know, owning kind of what you, you do. Um, I, I don't know what your thoughts are. Or I like your thoughts, I guess. To me, it seems like when I or we as people, we create something or own responsibility for the creation of something or, or the work that we do, be it working out or at our jobs or, you know, building a business, whatever it is it's like the act of creation and the ability to create something and own it through your own responsibility that that to me brings like a sense of pride and gratitude whereas like you know say like a lot of people like people play the lottery and they want to win a million dollars well like 
my theory is, and, and some people will probably say, like, you're a jerk and stupid, but that's fine. My theory is that you will appreciate a million dollars that you earn, like, way, way more than you would if I just handed you a million dollars. Even if it's the same amount of money, it has the same amount of spending power, it can't buy you anymore. If, but like, even if you take the money part out of it, well, I think just, there are a couple of researchers that have been done that many people who won the lottery, it ruined their life. Right. Well, because they, they don't, there's, I think there's a lot of factors to that. Part of it is just like, they don't know how to be responsible with that amount of money. Like they haven't had to go through the steps, the like organic growth and the time and adjustments to earning a little bit more. And what do I do with this? And how, you know, there's a lot that goes along with that. But yeah, so the, here in Israel, it's a very common topic. You know, we are considered as the startup nation. Even the mm-hmm. bike team in Israel now is called Israel Startup Nation. Yeah, I saw the, the yeah the brand change. And and I think uh, it's one of the worst things in our society currently. People really want to succeed very fast. They want to scale. They want you know to to make a short effort, three four years, and then we earn our you know our chunk of money and, mm-hmm. and we go party and and next. But really, what it's what people want is 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 not that people want to feel well and feeling well come goes along with as you said organic growth we're growing step by step with creating something which you can own one of the worst things that can happen for a startup founder is at the moment he's selling when he does his exit it's no longer his creation it's someone else mm-hmm. and 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 usually it breaks their heart but no one speaks about it you know mm-hmm. because there's the most important thing for people in life is not money Although we think it is, but it's not money. People want to feel appreciated. People want to, to feel a sense of purpose. People want to be surrounded with like-minded people. People want to feel loved, you know. So if we are only focusing on what we think is considered as being successful, mm-hmm. usually those things are not gone. Does not go along with that. Usually, when you are very very successful, you are very lonely. You are not feeling so appreciated. You only feel people. want things from you because of you know because of what you gain but you don't feel like people really truly appreciate you for what you are you don't feel like you own these things you're only fear driven you are you're afraid to lose everything you have you feel you know you can be replaced every day mm-hmm. and and usually the the way to in my my view to to avoid that is to create a pathway which is more balanced and which sees life you know as as more More holistic, not just uh, measuring one one success as as the entire you know the entire game plan. That's where I think going back to sport. I think sport can be, you know, can be very very empowering. It can also be depressing. You know, when the only thing that matters is the podium, it's you against against the others. It can be very be very very depressing. Whether you know we really what we really want is to to compare ourselves to ourselves. We want to be able to show ourselves to, to prove ourselves that we can improve for one year to another but and really no one can stop that from doing so it's only our decision but you know i th- i also i also think it's a it's a it's a matter of facing life and understanding that not everything is gonna be great and maybe it's it's good that it's not great because we all always need that you know that part that missing part in the puzzle Mm-hmm. in order to to have our drive and also understand you know that this is part of balance you know when you're going to excel at one thing you're going to suck it on something else that's just how it is you know yeah so yeah it's not going to be an easy journey where <laughs> and that actually leads me uh perfectly uh, to the question i'm ev- i'm asking everybody this season um at the end of the episode and that question is how do you stay motivated after failing to reach a goal Um, it's a good one actually I don't know um, <laughs> yeah I think it's uh, surrounding me with the right people I think that's um, uh, I think I think the sources of motivation change changes where when you are when you are when you start you know as a kid your sense of capability is very very low of what you can achieve and the more you grow you you believe in yourself more in your capabilities you show you prove to yourself you can do more You already know that you, for example, someone like you can probably run for hours, you know mm-hmm. you don't know that until you do it, but then then you want to run faster, 
why do you want to run faster? Because you want to prove yourself and you're surrounding, you can do better. So the most important thing for you is not no longer just your sense of capability, it's your sense of belonging. You want to belong to those group of people, you know. And then, you know, at certain point, you, you reach that goal. Usually, you know, you, you create that, that surrounding, that environment that you feel part of. And then it's no longer satisfying just trying to, I mean, you already have friends. You don't, don't, want, need, don't need to prove every single day that they are your friends. What makes a difference later on is the third phase that most of the people are usually, in my view, are, are not experiencing is the joy of giving back. You know, you already not in a survival mode. You already have a sense of capability. You have a, a surround, you know, an environment of people that you trust, that you feel part of. Now it's your time to give back. When you give back, you feel, in my view, the, the highest uh, way of, of, you know, of, of joy. When you do it authentically, when you're not doing it just out of interest. And I think that's one, one of the things that motivates me. I mean, it's a very selfish motivation. I feel way more um, fulfilled. When I'm, in, when I'm able to give back to the people around me, what, you know, um, there, are, there are a lot of people with, uh, with needs. And when I feel that I'm, that I'm, I'm able to give, uh, to, to be that person for them, that can help them, that this is, this is something that, that drives me a lot. And I, it, took, it took time for me to realize that, but, you know, I, I'm usually not very successful, <laughs> honestly. So, um, yeah, I think that uh, it's also it's also a bit of a lesson of being modest and understanding that you know you're gonna try really really hard and usually it's not gonna be enough. But yeah, I'm gonna try to to improve in uh, being a good mentor, if you can call it this way. <laughs> that's a that's a great answer, and you know that could get us down a whole other discussion of what is success, but we'll we'll save that for another time, I guess. Um, Ryan, if people want to see what you're up to, you know, see what the cycling team's up to, the youth development uh, group, all that, you know, where can people get in touch, check out all that stuff? So our main website currently is um, bartley.org.il, bartley, B-A-R-T-A-L-I.org.il. That's Bartley Youth in Movement. This is how the NGO we founded and that most of my ventures currently are at. I'm also Ron Margaliot uh, at Instagram, but I don't spend so much time on social media. I should probably make more an effort for, uh, over there. I'm sometimes on LinkedIn too. So yeah, feel free to reach out. Awesome. Yeah. And, and no worries on the social media. I'm not huge on it either. And I, I have somebody to help with the company, uh, the company's social media, because it's just not my strong suit aside from getting to talk to people like you. So that's kind of my, my contribution, but um, absolutely. Thank you for, for talking with me today. Cheers. Thank you for having me. Good luck.